Welcome to Aim Higher, a show designed to help us realize the leadership potential inside of all of us. I'm Skip Pritchard, CEO, author, blogger, student of success, and your host. Well, I just interviewed John Baldoni, and I hope you've heard our great interview. He's a friend and an expert on leadership. He has written dozens of books on leadership. He's a very generous, kind man. And his book, Grace, A Leader's Guide to a Better Us, is the one we just talked about. In thinking about John and his work, I think about how the book opens up. And full disclosure, he interviewed me along with a host of great people. I don't know how I got on this list, but he was interviewed Stephen Covey and Sally Helkinson and Alan Mullally and Tim Sanders and on and on and on, and interviewed me for this book called Grace. And how he opens the book, I think I'll just read just a bit from it because it is a way to give some framework to the way he looks at grace. We call it grace, the disposition to do something more for others. Actions big and small are acts of grace when done with the right intention and the right goals. While grace is perceived to be spiritual, its manifestation is personal. We reveal it in our actions toward others. In other words, grace is like character. We can think of it, but it is only evident when we act upon it. While I have written about grace previously, he says, now seems an especially good time to focus on the topic. Our culture has become more Coarsened. And then he goes on to talk about the political system and the paralyzation of things and the public discourse. And we've talked about that in many ways. And leadership and grace is not something that usually people would link together. And yet John does. And I found it to be a very interesting topic because it links with many of the things that I like to talk about, including servant leadership and other items. So There is a sense in today's society that things are so coarse, things are so tense, things are so, if you're for this, you're against this. People are at each other's throats. There isn't a sense of moderation. There isn't a sense of mediation. Instead, it's a constant, I win, you lose. If you win, I lose. We're not looking for win-win in society. Now, what's interesting is this is what we see on the news. This is what we see in political systems. This is what we see in stories, but it is not my experience in everyday life. In everyday life, I see people filled with grace, filled with kindness. Please, would you like to go? Let me let you out in traffic. Of course, you can find the days when it all seems to be going against you, but in general, people tend to be pretty nice. I think about advice I got. If everyone is not nice, and you're seeing people as rude and mean and arrogant and nasty, take a look in the mirror, this person told me, because generally you're getting a reflection of yourself. If you start looking for people that are positive and start giving compliments and start being more grateful, you may see that things change. Now, I know that's not always the case because you might get on Facebook and find it full of vitriol and nastiness. I get that. But in general, you can steer out of that and steer into different things. I think today when we see leaders that demonstrate grace, whatever we want to call it, however we want to use John's definition or definitions of grace, I think there's spiritual definitions of grace. There's this leadership definition of grace. It's kind of, we know it when we see it. We see grace when a leader is under pressure. We see grace if a leader exhibits character 
in the midst of a storm. We see grace in the way someone carries herself or himself. And we know grace when we see it in leaders. And I think in particular in the day and age that we're in, when we see this animosity and this hatred and just pitting two sides against each other in whatever arena you're in, when you see this grace leading through pressure, bringing people together, kindness doesn't mean agreement, but kindness, it makes an enormous difference. And people are galvanized by it. People are moved toward it. People want it in many, many cases. So he opens up his book, We call it grace, the disposition to do something more for others. So today we are talking all things grace, responding and thinking about John's interview and his book, Grace, A Leader's Guide to a Better Us. And I have been graced with a great panel here in the studio. First of all, we have Elise Wampler. She's a people development specialist, helps organizations and individuals rise and improve their leadership and their effectiveness. Welcome, Elise. Thank you. Glad to be here. Glad to have you back. We have Drew Bordis. Drew is full of grace. His operations expertise is full of grace. It's just terrific to see Drew back here again. So you great, came back. So great to be described that way. Thank you. You came back. You came back. I'm back. Or somehow you wandered in here. How did he get in here, Tammy? How, how did this happen? I think Carrie forgot to lock the door. Oh, Carrie. Okay. Well. Feeling a lot of love right now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you some grace. And Tammy Spade, who is back with us. People, places. She, she has this thing with P's, I think. Pur- purpose. Mm-hmm. What is it? Purpose? Purpose, people, place. Purple. Purple, purple people. people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Pritchard. <laughs> so anyway, we're glad to have you here as well, Tammy. We're talking all things grace. So as you've reflected on John's comments and his interview and you're thinking about grace, or I should say before you even thought that, when you think grace, what do you think of? Grace and leadership, what comes to mind? The first thing that comes to mind for me is how important grace is in in a company setting or in leadership because we are not perfect and we all make mistakes. Everybody does. And perfection, you know, cannot be the expectation and cannot be the goal. And so when, when, you know, mistakes happen, when bad, somebody has a bad day, things like that, you have to give that person some grace to be able to, you know, function as a team. I think the word that, that um, either you used or John used, I can't recall, was sustainable. If you want a sustainable, good culture, grace has to be a part of that culture. For me, when it comes to grace, you know, adding on, Drew, to what you're saying is grace comes with no strings attached. Um, so it's it's not okay, I'm going to thank you for this. I'm going to show grace for you in this moment, but I'm going to hold that in the back of my head and use that against you or in in a situation later on down the road when I expect you to show me grace. Um, it, it truly has to come from an authentic place where there's not strings associated with it. I think it facilitates connection too between mm-hmm. people, maybe encourages safety between people. I think if you have an, a culture in an organization where people can take risks and innovate for the good of the customers in the business, you probably have a culture where grace exists. Without fear. You know, yeah. you can accomplish mm-hmm. so much more when you know we're, we're in this together. I, I don't have to, you know, be perfect. Exactly. Yep. When I think about grace, I think about this principle that I'm always talking about, which is assume positive intent. 
thinking the best about somebody. I think when you're full of grace towards somebody, you do forgive them. You think, oh, if they did this. And it's interesting today because as we look at certain people, if you look at them without grace, you immediately jump and pick apart each and everything. You say they did this wrong. They said that wrong. What do they mean by this? This person walked by me in the hallway and didn't acknowledge me or looked at me funny. Remember when we actually could walk past people in the hallway? <laughs> Remember those days? And see their faces. Yes, and see their faces. I've walked by some people and didn't recognize them because the mask just throws me off. I don't know why, but that's a little side note. But the fact is, assuming positive intent, people that are full of grace look at people in a different manner. You look at people and overlook the small things because you are approaching them, I think, with leadership grace. So we're going to talk a little bit about these elements. And Skip, something with that in particular that I had another leader kind of teach me along these lines was you don't know what that person is going through. So when you see somebody and, and it's a react, they're, they're, they're mad or they're grumpy or they're whatever, right? You don't know. They could have just been in a car wreck this morning. They could be dealing with a sick parent. They could be having marital issues. They could, you know, I mean, there's infinite possibilities. You don't know. So give them a break before you assume, well, that person's a jerk. Stephen Covey wrote in his book, the late Stephen Covey, a very powerful lesson that I'll never forget when he talked about seeing a man on a train and the kids were unruly and disruptive and causing chaos. And it wasn't a moment later when he said something that he found out that the man had lost his wife and the kids were just coming from the funeral. He was just dazed and exactly what you said. Yep. You don't know what people are going through. And as soon as he learned that, he says the entire situation changes, right? Now I look at you completely different. Now I look at you with grace. Well, imagine if we could go through our lives and look at people with that same sense of a sensitivity that we don't know what they're going through. And Skip, I think you said something great in um, the conversation with John where you talked about in order to be graceful, you need to take time to slow down, slow down and be more intentional and deliberate in what's going on around you. Because if that guy just slowed down for a moment and said, what might this father be going through with these kids right now? He could have avoided a very uncomfortable situation for him and this father that just you know, lost his wife, but just slowing down and taking a moment and in a world that is so fast-paced and happening so quickly around us right now. And it's the power of looking outward rather than inward. Yes. You know, I think when we do have that initial, oh, that's frustrating. Why are they acting that way toward me? We're looking inward. We're personalizing. We're focusing on ourselves. If we look outward and ask that question, Drew, that you mentioned, what might be going on? What might be behind this? Our attitude changes, and often theirs does too. So much easier said than done, though. It Isn't is. Isn't it true? true? It's easier to just say, that's a terrible parent. So I'd never true. do that. <laughs> and look up from your device, I think, is you know, you're know you on the train. At least he noticed the people. Today, I think we're surrounded by these devices. Well, I think about grace. I also think about this powerful idea of forgiveness. And John in his book, and in, in even his book, Lead by Example, he's talking about the Amish grandfather who had lost two grandchildren in the shooting and gave an interview and forgave the shooter, this amazing story. I think about the interview I did with Immaculate Illibagiza and this extraordinary journey she wrote in one of my favorite books of all time called Left to Tell. And 
how she overcame the Rwandan Holocaust and her entire family being murdered and still forgave people. I think that urge to forgive emanates and comes from this thing that we call grace, which I grew up learning the definition was undeserved love, grace, this incredible sense of it. I want to go through quickly the five elements that John talks about as he broke them down. He used grace and he uses them in a different way. And the first way he talks about is generosity. He calls it the will to do something for others. And generosity is interesting because many people don't think of that when they think about business organizations. They're not thinking about generosity. They're thinking about, we got to get as much as we can. We got to hit the bottom line numbers. We got to get this money in. We got to get more market share. But generosity is starting off with, you know, we're going to live and act and be in an organization that's the will to do something for others. It's also kind of relates to purpose. So how do you react when he talks about generosity in terms of grace. I really liked the quote that was said in the interview of shining the spotlight on others. I think because I think sometimes when we talk about generosity and business, we immediately go to charitable donations, which, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that's that's not what he was talking about. That's that's good too. But his his point was more not just about you. It's not you, 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 you. Take some time and say, gosh, I want to recognize what that person did. And be generous with your power, I think was the way he put it. But I, I thought that was really interesting. I've never heard it said quite like that. Yeah, right. I haven't either. I noticed that the strength of a leader becomes greater when he or she gives away their power. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be as easy as I'm going to ask you or let you take a piece of this project as an opportunity for you to develop, as an opportunity for you to demonstrate to the organization what you can do. That can be internal generosity and giving away power from a leadership position that might be non-traditional generosity. And Tammy, I think what you said there that's critical is how you communicate that to the person you're giving it to that fosters that ownership in them. Because I do think leaders do that often, but don't do it in a way of I'm, I'm giving this to you as a, as a development, not as a... Uh, I feel like my leader is giving that to me just to pass it off on me. Um, but <laughs> You're <really>, welcome. <laughs> but really being purposeful to help the employee or the coworker or whoever it may be to say, hey, I see real value in you know us sharing this. Are you working on a piece of this? So that way they can make that link and connection to the generosity. Yeah. So good, Elise. R is for respect. He calls it the dignity of life and worth. I think this is one of the areas where we're struggling in society today, this respect for others. I may disagree with you, but I still can respect you. We can still have a collegial relationship, even a friendship. We might even stay related, even if we vote for different people, even if we have different beliefs. Do I have a genuine respect for you? Do I think, you know what? You're in the same situation than me. We may think differently, but We're both here, and I'm going to respect you in the way that I need you to respect me. And John talks about it, that we have to look at people with an open mind and an open heart. And that's something that I think is happening less and less today. People are close-minded and already making their determination of who you are, what you believe. I mean, I love – I'm being very facetious. I love the many people on Facebook who are writing, if you don't vote for this person or if you didn't vote for that person – 
I can never be your friend, unfriend me, never talk to me again, etc. How silly and sad, in my opinion, how you won't learn from each other, how you won't grow. There's far more commonality than that, even if you feel very strongly about it. Take a deep breath. You don't want to lose family members <laughs> and love over something so transient. How do you react to respect as one of those elements? Well, Skip, to add kind of to what you're saying is when we do that on social media platforms and show that blatant lack of respect for another human being, what we're teaching younger generations, that's okay. And it's not okay. It's not okay to be so disconcerned with another human being. It, it's going to create waves as we move into the future and in, as, as younger generations come into the workplace of not being able to know that skill and know how to respect someone that's different than them. So we have a duty, I think, especially on social media platforms to show that, that you can disagree with someone and still respect them as a human being. And even more so now when there's such division and polarization in what's going on in, in the world right now. I think it's like you said in the opening, you know, my day-in, day-out relations don't reflect the U.S. government, thank goodness, um, and the way they behave. It's, so, I mean, there's there's the examples we're seeing on media, social media, television, whatever, and then there's there's reality. And and sometimes I just tell people, well, you know, if I just turn off the TV and put down the device, things are things are okay. Actually, it's pretty good, pretty <laughs> mm -hmm. good right here. So that that gives me hope. Mm -hmm. It does, but some people don't allow it to. So they're tuning in and they're literally saying. If you don't agree with this commentator on this show, disconnect from me and never speak to me again. And I think if you look for reasons to divide and do that, you're going to find one. Sure. You mm -hmm. might, yeah. you know, might, today it might be the person you vote for. Tomorrow it might be you drink Pepsi instead of Coke. I mean, Tammy, I know that would be an issue for you, right? It would be a big, big <laughs> issue. Big issue. So I'm out. <laughs> it, it really does matter to have respect and cultivate respect. How do you cultivate respect in organizations in a way to prevent the outside society and media thing from infiltrating your team? Part of it is you have to lead by example. When you see two signs of disrespect coming into a team, it's it's talking about it, it's addressing it and working through it versus letting it just sit there and lie because it won't get worked through if you don't help people through it they're struggling with it. Yeah. And I think asking those questions, is this respectful to a person? Is this something that you would do to someone that you respect? It's looking at individuals with a measure of worth and dignity, regardless of performance or position or appearance. And I think when you have a culture like that, your ability to bring people into the culture, your ability to deliver as a team is tremendously, tremendously enhanced. Um, and, and, you know, asking, asking a question, if I'm looking at this person and I'm frustrated with their view on something and I'm going to dismiss them because of it, what am I saying about their dignity and their worth as a person? People are more than just their view. They're more than just a talent. They're more than just a perspective. And I, th I think though this is one, Tammy, where I think the leader can really set the tone mm -hmm. too, um, because you know, we have teams right now today, all of us, that have are filled with people of different political viewpoints, religious, we pick one, right? And we still get along and accomplish great things. But I think if the leader dismissed that person's other views, right, that really can be toxic. So if the leader can show an example, like Elise said, you know, by example, that 
I'm not going to make that political joke because this person over here doesn't see things my way. I'm not going to do that. That helps just reinforce their respect. A is for action. It's interesting in Grace because you wouldn't think about action necessarily, the mechanism for change, he calls it. And I look at this a little differently. So obviously, you can't have leadership to me without action because it means nothing. But I, I didn't think about Grace you know, I wondered, you know, is, is the A in there and he's just putting action because he needs one? You know, like, what is, the, what is this A? But leadership is all about action, but acting with grace. So can you tackle a problem? Can you tackle something big or execute a strategy in a graceful way, but still moving it forward? I think it's also difficult if you're moving it forward and it may be in an opposite direction somebody else thought you should go. But how can you do that with grace? How can you lead the team? How can you be part of something even if you voted against it on the team initially, but you need to keep advancing it? So I think action is a given. I almost look at this panel and I'm like, it's a given, right? I mean, there's what can we talk about with grace? Action. Of course it's action. Drew's do, do you know anything else but action? Uh, I felt very <laughs> – in fact, when when you all said, um, what if I'm just wired to produce results? I kind of groaned as I was listening to the podcast. I was feeling a little judged right there. <laughs> um, I think the way that I think about the action is you shouldn't just sit around and think graceful thoughts, right? You might feel good and think – you know, but it really doesn't accomplish anything. That That's where I took the action part of it is you have to express those thoughts. You have to – you know, show grace. You don't just don't just think it. Yeah, and going back to the beginning of what you read from John's book, the disposition to do more for others. Mm-hmm. Do it's an active. It's not a think, as right. Drew said. It's not thinking graceful thoughts. It's doing. We actually work uh, with some teams where we have this activity that is purposefully designed for you to spend some time thinking about how you can be more helpful to someone else. So what could you be doing differently to be more helpful to a coworker, a peer, whatever that may be, to almost foster some of that gracefulness, that action? Because it's one thing if we think about it, we can do all the thinking in the world, but without the action, that other person may never feel that, see that, embrace that. That's good. C is for compassion, the concern for others. I think this one is very important that people are thinking about leading with others in mind. I think it relates back to all the writing and speaking I've done on servant leadership, this compassion, this concern for others, that others are what it's all about. It is not about you. Leadership is not about you. Note, if you think it is, you need to keep studying. (laughs) It's not about you. Leadership is about others, this concern for others. How do you develop your team to be thinking about others actively? I think that's a great question, Skip. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we didn't expect that one. (laughs) That's a good one. Well, we talked about affirming dignity and self-worth. I think that is one measure of compassion within a team. Does the team listen to each other? Do we value diverse perspectives? Are we thinking about a problem that we're trying to solve, a project that we're launching in a way that gives us a variety of viewpoints? I think there's some um, level of compassion there. And then, you know, at times when people are going through something that might be difficult, either in their job or their personal life, even at times when something becomes automated and you say goodbye to a team of people that no longer are needed in the way that they were before, that can feel very, very personal. But there's a way to do that that affirms dignity and worth 
and provides a compassionate response and a compassionate bridge to their next opportunity. And I think it's a great to keep going with what you're saying there, Tammy, a great coaching tool for leaders to use is thinking about helping an employee think about in those times where they're running up against another person or another team or struggling and really helping them pause and think about what might that other team be prioritizing right now? What might that other team be struggling with right now that could be impacting their delay in getting information to you or deprioritizing the work that you're asking of them? What might be going on? And if we don't know, maybe we should go ask. Maybe we should seek to understand before being upset about it. What a tool. <laughs> ask. It's a good yes. thing right? as a leader. Yes. We often don't, though, because mm -hmm. we've made the snap judgment. We assume it's this, it's that, and this. They've deprioritized. They don't think it's important. And it's hard to step back and say, well, maybe something else is going on. So I think that's important. E is for energy. That's my favorite one because energy to me means everything. It is the spirit that catalyzes us, he says. Energy and leadership, I see them. Now, I've seen quiet leaders. I've seen leaders who are more understated. I've seen leaders who are quietly giving out their energy. So energy is not a measure of loudness or extroversion. Energy to me is that sense of, I am going to keep at it. It's that drip, drip, drip. I'm constantly at it. I'm at the tree and I'm with the ax and I'm going to keep hitting it, hitting it, hitting it. So it may mean that I hit it quieter. It may mean that I have a different pace. But to me, that energy means I am not going to stop. And when you think it's over, I am coming back. And when you think it's over again, I did not let go of it. It's that energy that's driving an individual and a team and an organization forward. I think energy is incredibly important. Now, it's not one I admit that I would link back to grace because I think about grace and I don't think about energy. I just don't. So I thought, you know, is that one of these E's and he needed energy again? But if you think about it, it's – the same as that swan, you know, we often use that thing where you, you, know, you see them sailing quietly across the pond, but underneath you're not seeing all the energy required in order to propel that graceful swan across the beautiful scene. That energy is required of every leader and I think is one of the ones that you wouldn't necessarily think of initially, unless you were coming up with grace and looking for an E. Because, you, you know, <laughs> e, that would be a good, right? I mean, it does make sense, John, you know, to have the E as energy. But it really is related to graceful leadership. And it's also, I think, the right level of energy for the situation. So some people will bring in this massive amount of energy, and it's too much. Jim Rohn used to tell me, he said, don't use a cannon to kill a rabbit. It's effective, but there's no more rabbit, right? So you want to be <laughs> – you want to use the amount of energy required for the job. And a graceful leader, I think this is important, uses just the right amount of energy at the right time, bringing in big energy when it is required and bringing in quiet energy or intense energy when it is required. And you'll see that graceful leadership knows when to tune it up or to tune it down. What do you think of as I'm talking about energy and tuning up energy or down to the right moment? You know, when it comes to energy, um, John had talked a little bit about this with, you know, COVID-19 being present, too, is that self-care piece. 
if you as a leader, as an employee, whatever it may be, are not taking care of yourself and doing something in the evenings, whatever it may be for yourself, that energy will fade. It will fade quickly and it will be hard to get it back, especially in the world we're living in right now. And then with going in, if you're in our part of the the world here, if you're going into the winter months, that energy is going to be even harder to grasp onto. When we don't have energy, we become short, we become tired, we become more irritable towards others, which then you lose that grace for other people. Well said. And, you know, if a leader, I think um, this is one of the points that John made in your interview with him, isn't energized, a leader doesn't have the power to achieve goals. And I think that self-care is very important. Skip, you've got energy to burn. You are energetic, probably in your sleep. Other people may need to do more of that self-care where you're kind of focused on dialing it, you know, up or down. Down. Other people may need to, yeah, Yeah. press the brake, press the brake. But I do think resilience is an important aspect of energy as well, because when you get drained, where do you go? What do you do to re-equip yourself? How do you become resilient, particularly in the situation that we're all in right now on, you know, constant Zoom calls and trying to connect with people how do we make sure that we have resiliency to get back into the game? Yeah, I just think it doesn't work without energy, right? I mean, that's that, that's that's why I would put it in there as an E, you know, is just it's kind of the fuel for the tank. Yeah. And if you actually want to do something, back to the action part of this, you have to. And one of the themes that we talk about a lot on Aim Higher is self-awareness, right? And just being aware as a leader of, am I giving the appropriate amount of energy? Am I toast from all this COVID-19 thing? It's the leadership part of it, I feel like, that energy plays into. Well said. I want to end with my final question. And it's a question John posed to me. So if I'm reading this book, Grace, I see every now and then on a page, wait, I said that. And here is a question that he asked us toward the end of the book. He said, what's one thing each of us could do to make things better for others. What comes to mind when I ask that question? What's one thing each of us could do to make things better for others? I think I could share more of my gifts. Really? Is that, is that where you're going? <laughs> that's exactly, Did I miss the point of this? That's what we were okay. thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. Share more of Drew. That's what we were thinking of. What I would think, you say? I think for me, it'd be... It, It'd be back to that respect and kindness piece. We are living in a world right now where there's so much polarizing thoughts. There's a lot of hate towards people. And just being that, almost cheesy as this may sound, that that light in a really dark day of, thank you. Thanks for opening that door. Oh, can I help you with that? Just being kind towards others, I think, is huge. And I can do more of that. Good answer, Elise. Yeah, I, I would say being more open to alternate opinions. In a time when, what does John say, that social media is actually antisocial? Yeah. Um, you know, that it's it's pulling people apart from wanting to connect and be social. It does have its effect on all of us, and particularly in political seasons. So being more open to people that either I assume or know have different opinions than mine. Just hearing that out and asking questions and not taking it personally. I think giving people the benefit of the doubt, like we talked about, just, mm-hmm. you know, give them a break. Don't know what's going on with them. Assume positive intent, whichever way you want to say it. Doing that and just pausing before you make a snap judgment. And I have the benefit of reading my answer that I don't remember on page 151 of this book. So I'll end with it. I answered the question of what is one thing each of us could do to make things better for others this way. Learn to listen well. 
We're in an era where you can think about these grand things and these grand plans to answer that question. But to me, it's the simple act of putting down your device and listening. And with that, we want to thank you for listening because we want to help you leave mediocrity and get to the top and be the most successful you possible. Our goal is for you to aim higher. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Aim Higher with Skip Pritchard. Check out skippritchard.com for more episodes, interviews, book reviews, and leadership insights. And if you like what you hear, please rate us in iTunes. Until next time, remember, don't settle for the mediocre. Always aim higher.